This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock on this nice June uh, Saturday morning. It's the weekend. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours and well done to Cathy Brennan on her fastest ever performance in Ireland's easiest quiz, scooping herself €100. Brian will be back with you next Saturday morning. This morning on The Bottom Line, we'll have the story of a local man who, finding himself unhappy, left his job, travelled the world and who, on returning home, has set out to build a brand built on the values of adventure, purpose and positive mental health. We'll be hearing from Helen Whelan of Thrive Cafe in Tullo about business during COVID, work-life balance and the establishment of the Powerhouse Business Network for Women. And we'll be talking about the long history of design in this area, especially product design and innovation with Colin Devey of IT Carlo as designcarlo.ie is launched to mark 50 years of design education and work with business. But first, joining me on the phone to have a look at some very pressing business issues is Austin Hughes, economist. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, John. How are you? Um, we, we, we could talk about England versus Scotland, but let's crack into <laughs> the economy instead. Probably more uh, definite results around that. Um, I, I'd like to talk to you this morning about inflation. It's a word that I've heard bandied around a lot in relation to Ireland's economic performance and indeed global economic issues. Even on an ad before uh, this programme, I heard a well-known local electrical retailer, Sean Swan, talking about prices starting to increase worldwide. Inflation is something we need to be paying a lot of attention to. It is. It's something now that um, I think will be much more of a focus for people for the next six months or so. Um, now, part of it actually should probably be seen as a good thing, okay? Um, the reality is that the economy is recovering. We're coming out of probably the, the greatest slump the world has seen in the last hundred years. Uh, and, you know, normally when economies close down, prices fall and when they open up again, prices rise. So the fact that we're having some inflation, in some sense, it's a pulse that says the economy is picking up. So part of this is actually a good thing, and it is much better to say that prices are starting to rise than that they're continuing to fall, because if they were continuing to fall, it would mean that probably the pandemic was causing even worse economic impacts. But, you know, that, that's a broad element. I, I think when your, your listeners are saying, oh, well, hang on a minute, it's costing me much more to fill the car or to buy a pint or to do all these things. But they're, they're not going to say, uh, but actually, I'm really happy the world is in a better place. It's just costing me more money. Mm. So uh, I think there is the sense there that while, as I say, part of this is the normal reopening uh, from you know a crisis situation, it also is something we need to be very careful that you know these increases in prices don't take hold and we get what used to be called a wage price spiral with all the damage that can do to firms and to people's spending power. So um, a little bit of inflation is sort of the oil 
that greases greases the the global economic upturn a lot is the oil or i suppose the, the the liquid that drowns us all yeah and just a very simple question but how is inflation calculated you know you hear figures bandied around about inflation but how is it calculated and how reliable is it um, well, well, it, it's generally calculated very carefully, right? The Central Statistics Office, along with other statistics offices across the world, uh, they'll, they'll count maybe the prices every month of maybe five and a half thousand items. Wow. So typically the, the Statistics Office will send people in, in normal times, will send people into a shop and they will price you know, a packet of chocolate biscuits and they will price the same packet of chocolate biscuits next month. Uh, They will, you know, check the price of petrol in a particular garage and do the same thing next month. They will look at the price of uh, a foreign holiday package, for example, and they'll compare that. They'll check the price of you know, a dentist is charging for a filling and they'll do that next month. They'll charge, you know, and mm. so they go to a huge amount of detail. Um, but, you know, there are two issues around that. One, they measure the average cost of a basket of goods and service bought by the average uh, family in Ireland. And, of course, you know, these averages, it's 2.2 adults, you know, with yeah. three quarters of a dog and half a cat. <laughs> you know, the average... I know that per- family. ...statistically isn't... Uh, the average, you know, statistically doesn't capture what you or I may, may purchase or anyone else. So, for example, somebody, uh, a young... Maybe sort of maybe renting, and most of their income goes on the rent. Or, or a young couple maybe buying a house. Uh, somebody elderly, it may be all on heating or whatever. So the average doesn't quite capture what each individual's cost of living is. You know, it's a representative measure across the economy as a whole. So that's one problem. The second problem that we've had since COVID is that that a lot of things aren't measured because we can't buy them. In the Eurostat measure for uh, May, I think it's about 20% of services, and I just checked before we came on, um, and the Irish May index, 13% of the items that we would normally buy uh, can't be measured this month, and they include package holidays abroad, um, hotel prices, and things that because simply, uh, you know, there wasn't significant, uh, um, um, well, package holidays weren't available in May for May, uh, and similarly in terms of uh, hotels were still largely shut. And Uh, presumably there are also restrictions on researchers getting out into the field and doing research too over lockdowns, etc., so uh, they are in what they call imputing prices and some that so they will look at a website and see what we'll say a certain supermarket is advertising this chocolate biscuit pack that I mentioned earlier and they'll see how that compares so it is there is an increased margin of error around something but the reality is I'm sure all your listeners uh, you, you know We'll actually hear that the Irish numbers were 1.7% rise in consumer prices in the last year. And they'll say, God, my, you know, my cost of living has gone up much more than that, possibly because, you know, maybe putting 
petrol or diesel in the car is a much bigger element in their basket of, of living costs than it is on average. And if you look at, sorry, again, I don't know whether this is too much detail, but if you look at the cost of living in terms of the Irish numbers, uh, electricity and gas prices are up 14%, hairdressing costs up 8.5%, um, new car prices up 4.5%, the cost of bicycles for anyone trying to get healthy is up 5%. Um, I, I was, you know, the cost of a new laptop is down 10%. Wow. I was slightly surprised to find that motor insurance costs were down 6.9% uh, because certainly I, I renewed the car insurance and I found it higher than a year ago. But what's interesting, or sorry, the little aside that I saw, one of the things, food prices are down 2% and one of the food prices down most is flour prices wow. are, are down 5.5%. So we're not baking the way we did. And is that because compared with last year when every everybody was baking cakes like mad during the lockdowns last year the price was up because demand was high, was high and now it's dropped a bit it's exactly that you know so that's one particular element and you see this right around the world in the US uh, car prices are rising at about 10% a month uh, because uh, used car prices because uh, there are new cars are in short supply there because globally we've had this chip shortage. Um, and this, what happened there was a year ago, car manufacturers felt, well, nobody's going to move for the next while. So nobody is going to want a new car. And consequently, they cut back on their orders of chips. The chip manufacturers put it into other elements, into new TVs and mm. new laptops, which have been up. And as a result, uh, New cars are as scarce as hen's teeth in the U.S. And consequently, even the rental car rental companies are actually buying secondhand cars because they can't, you know, uh, improve their fleet this year. So you're seeing these 10% increases both in used car prices in the U.S. each month for the last couple of months and also similar increase in the cost of renting a car because the U.S. is, again, you know, when things get better, the U.S. Uh, consumer gets into his car and gets out on the, the, the great expanse of uh, motorway there. Mm. And um, also lumber, as they call it, stateside, uh, spiralled up and, and that would have, for example, a, a huge increase, increase on um, home building costs and so it, it certainly has. Lumber costs are up in the states around, uh, I think it's around 240% wow. higher than they were a year ago. Now, again, I just checked the, the latest Irish numbers. Uh, wood prices here in terms of construction costs, they're according to the official measure, and builders will probably tell you they're up more. They're up about 30% year. 30, wow. So that yeah, all so feeds into stuff like house prices. Yeah. Well, this is, you know, a significant issue, and we are seeing that. And, you know, so that's one part of the story uh, in terms of living costs around house prices. The other, of course, is that suddenly people felt that the house was not just somewhere they, they laid their head at the end of the night. It was somewhere they were working and spending much more of their playtime in. So as a result, a lot of people are actually trying to move home. Uh, and we have this upward pressure on house prices. Now, mm. again, the Irish numbers 
numbers show um, house prices in April were up 4.5%. Um, I, I just again had a quick look this morning. Um, for Carlo, I think the increase is about 7.4%. For Kilkenny, it's about five and a half percent. Yeah, so uh, even so micro changes really around uh, the element. But hey, again, it could be worse. Uh, the U.S. Uh, the latest house prices there are up about thirteen percent, and that reflects again, as you, you pointed out, the fact that in the U.S. timber lumber is so much more important as a housing input, mm. uh, and they also have had this shortage in terms of new home supply. So you're seeing. You know, housing costs going up very dramatically right around the world. New Zealand, they're up nearly 30% in the last wow. year. The UK, it's about 9%. So, um, yeah, And presumably, a- Austin, there's a danger that when people start hearing these kind of price increases um, going and they're operating businesses, um, they start going, oh, sure, like, look, wood has gone up. 30%, nobody will notice if I put something else up 10%. What are the implications, you know, for business and for Ireland well, Inc.? Well, sorry, this is one of these things, and this is where we are in this. I actually was talking to someone and I said, we're moving into a noisy but nasty period in terms of prices over the next couple of months. Because I think businesses are facing increased costs. And one, you know, I think wage costs are rising generally. And two, um, you're, you're finding businesses with increased costs in terms of, you know, COVID-related costs in terms of either not having the same sort of throughput or having to, to, to build in all these sort of protective measures against the pandemic. So I, I do think there's a legitimate case for some increases in costs. The, the difficulty is um, that we sometimes turn uh, these things into to, to opportunities for rape and pillage. <laughs> you know, and that is something that we have to be very careful uh, around. Um, I think, you know, generally what we're seeing now are increases in prices that relate to both what are the base effects that, as I say, the economy was virtually dead in the water, so prices were falling a year ago. And these bottlenecks as well, everything from lumber to shipping costs to microchips to the fact, as I say, uh, that, that you're having to pay for all these other um, issues around the, the pandemic. So I do think we're going to see this once-off step up in prices. The critical element is that if people then think, that's okay to put, you know, and I've got to be unfair and pick on someone in particular here and say, we put tempest on the pint now, and we put another tempest on the pint in three months' time, and another tempest just before Christmas, and no one will notice this. And mm. I'm not saying that publicans are going, you know... Yeah, I, just I'm for just example, yeah. Using that as a cartoon example of that and business is suddenly fine and what happens is that you end up in you know the the roadrunner cartoons yeah, yeah. some of your kids are, you know like Wiley Coyote you keep raising prices and suddenly you find you're 20 feet over the edge of the canyon and you know that nobody will will buy your goods and services anymore. And in the case of Ireland, it's particularly important. You know, I I think, as I say, global inflation is picking up uh, at the moment. In the US, it's around 5%. In the UK, it's 2 It's 2 here and across the Eurozone. What's very important is that we don't raise Irish business costs more than we do, more than others. And by the way, I would also mention there's another aspect in this. There will be some Brexit 
related increase in costs, yeah. you know, because there's administration there or maybe getting goods from a supplier other than the UK. So expect to see prices a little bit higher, you know, try and be good about it and say, well, the good news is that means the economy is coming back. But, you know, the, the critical thing is not to sort of say, well, if they take a 5% increase, I can award myself a 10% increase. That's where things go horribly wrong. Okay. Uh, and that's the real risk for the next while. Okay, Austin, fascinating insights from you there. And thank you for that. That was Austin Hughes, economist. Good morning, Austin, and we'll talk to you Good again. Good morning. All the best, John. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye. That's uh, Austin Hughes, economist, giving us some really good insights into inflation, what it means, how it's calculated, and the dangers for business. It's just 23 minutes after nine o'clock. Coming up, we'll be talking to a local man who's uh, re- establishing a new lifestyle brand. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie Now a bootstrapper is defined as a person who relies on their own resources to solve a problem or to pursue an undertaking. And joining me on the line is a man called Eugene Devereaux who has established a new lifestyle enterprise called Irish Bootstrapper.com. Good morning, Eugene. Morning, John. Thanks a million for having me on the show. Pleasure. I was looking at your website, a really lovely website, Irish Bootstrapper. You can mooch around products that your company sells, uh, community area, podcasts, blog, and all that sort of stuff. And we'll discuss um, that product, uh, you know, all the stuff that Irish Bootstrapper has to co- uh, offer later on. But I was just reading in the about, you're, you're pretty straight up. You, you, you say that you battled depression all your adult life and then you just kind of had a moment of truth with yourself and quit the traditional life path. Tell us about that. Yeah, so where it all got started, I suppose, was um, kind of from my early teens I, I suffered with mental health and depression, I suppose. Um right up until adult life and back in 2018 then I, I was in a good job, well-paid job, had the BMW, all the rest, you know, all the, the KPIs of traditional success, but just felt burnt out really and uh, just felt that I was out of my depth in the role that I was working in and I just wasn't happy overall and I decided to, to quit my job then in October 2018. And what was that doing to you, do you think? What was it doing to me? It was just, I just wasn't happy and, you know, I, I was looking for something more, something more purposeful uh, from from life, um, I, I guess. Yeah, so you quit the job and what, what next? Yeah, so quit the job, not, not really having a plan, kind of panicked for a few hours. Um, hours? Good, I, good man. Yeah, so I, <laughs> <laughs> I decided to finally go off travelling because it was something that was at the back of my mind for maybe five years and I kept putting it off and saying oh I'll, I'll do that in the future and I uh, I ended up booking one way flights to Southeast Asia and in January 2019 then I, I set off on, on the trip of a lifetime Yeah and and what did you learn on that trip? You know you needn't give me the you know the ins and outs of the bars in Vietnam or the the jungles in Thailand or or whatever. But like, what did you come home from that trip with? I suppose, like when you when you encounter different cultures around the world and you're you're totally out of your comfort zone. You know you're in places that have very little English. That you're eating new foods for the first time. You're having new experiences, uh, meeting new people, and um, experiencing the 
maybe the religious or the spiritual side of those cultures in in the east um just gives you a totally fresh perspective on on life and you know you have to have to kind of leave your ego at the front door and you have to kind of roll with it and suppose to, to use the phrase you can you can meet yourself for the first time when you're putting new experiences like that out out the comfort zone yeah and so you came back a little over two years ago um, from then. That was um, 2019. It would have been spring, summer 2019. What next? We've had a kind of disruption to normal life. You weren't, you yeah. know, you had a few months of quiet and quote-unquote traditional life path, but it's been anything but normal since. What have you been at? Yeah, so just on, in my last few weeks of um, Southeast Asia in Vietnam, I, I decided to... So Irish Bootstrapper started then as just as a travel blog, and it was really just a place for me to document traveling around the world and the various experiences. And I suppose it kind of morphed into a podcast then in the final few weeks. And so all during lockdown then, um, the first lockdown from, say, March, like I was busy working on the podcast and interviewing people from all over the world, really, um, in adventure and travel, endurance athletes. People These are kind of people who, 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 like yourself in their own way, have faced their fears and challenges and, and overcome them. People who've, like, swum the Channel, for example, the English Channel, and, and other kind of extreme examples of taking on a challenge and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like the, the core team with, with the, the bootcast podcast is all about overcoming challenges, both mentally and physically, and, and the personal growth then that comes from that journey of whatever the pursuit is for the person, so... You know, it's a common team through business or, or setting a world record or becoming an elite athlete. Um, yeah, and so and so you're, you're, you've transformed this into a new business. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the, the business, uh, so we launched the clothing range and accessories for, for the active adventure uh, just last, last month. Um, and so the business is all about, you know, high quality products um, for the active, the active adventure lifestyle. So, we we stock a range of uh, jackets, um, backpacks, hats, uh, t-shirts, and a few other accessories, and um, all geared towards adventure and travel, and to to really embody the the adventurous life life of purpose. Yeah, and your Irish bootstrapper, you have a rather fetching logo. Um, talk to us about that. Yeah, so so the logo is is a blueprint uh, with a mountain at the top of it, and then the, the four leaf clover. Um, at the bottom, so suppose people always relate to Ireland with the the shamrock, but the or the look of the Irish. So the the fourth leaf is for the the look and the the Irish part of it. Mm. Now we we hear about glo- global lifestyle brands who who largely started off say like selling shoes and then sort of found found the podcasts and found uh, you know the blogs and formed communities after it but they were largely kind of shoe sellers first you're doing it all together how how are you finding the whole thing about establishing a lifestyle brand yeah so I suppose so when I started back on, on my travels you know the the blog just started as a blog and as I was traveling around I kind of got the idea kind of came to mind start to visualize like well, this this could be something bigger because I was meeting people all over the world that were in a similar kind of a journey to me um you know they were looking for something more they were they were adventurous i suppose to to term them like that um and yeah it's it's been a 
it's been a challenge to get it to where it is now, especially like at the start of COVID when there was there was no travelling happening, mm. no travelling happening. Um, you know, there was days there where I was I was just like, is this even is it worth doing it? Should I continue doing this? Um, and I was I was ready to give up on it a few times, you know, during COVID. But then, like it's, it's transpired that I think COVID has had the opposite effect on on people's kind of desire to travel and to get out of their comfort zone and to get back out into nature and go off on hikes or cycles or swims or whatever. Mm. And where do so, you see the future of Irish Bootstrap? Are you going to get investment? Have you investment? Um, how are you going to grow um, this brand beyond this area? You're based in Carlow, I understand. Yeah, I'm based in, in the New Work Junction co-working hub here in Carlow. Um, but yeah, the, the plan is to is to kind of, no pun intended, bootstrap it until it's at a point where we kind of need investment to, to get it into a global global kind of a level, like for distribution channels in America, Australia, and most of the English-speaking um, markets, really. But I suppose to grow it one step at a time is, is the, I think, is the best way to to play it for now. Yeah, now, starting a new business isn't an easy thing. It can be stressful. It can be difficult. You can have high and low days. How are you finding it? And where are you in relation to how we started this uh, interview? You know, are you feeling better in yourself? Do you find find yourself stimulated and, and kind of energised by the challenge? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's never a dull day and there's there's so many. When you're when you're launching a, a business on your own, it's it's... It's challenging, but you learn a lot about business and about yourself. You have to be many different facets. Uh, you know, you're looking after the finances, the marketing, the product design, the stock control, and the e-commerce, the websites, the design, the PR. And, you know, you, you gain a lot of skills from doing all of that as well. Mm. So I'm enjoying the process. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's difficult and when you're small as well. You don't benefit from things like 30 days credit or yeah you know by being able to buy in bulk cuz you're you're doing it from yeah, absolutely. Well, look, Eugene, uh, HP, uh, Hewlett Packard started in a garden shed, so <laughs> keep on bootstrapping, man. And uh, look, uh, anybody can check out your website, irishbootstrapper.com. And look, we hope to be able to land an interview with you when your business is as big as Nike. Brilliant. Okay, okay, that's uh, Eugene Devereaux, uh, their uh, founder of Irish Bootstrapper. Thanks for joining us this morning on the programme, Eugene. Um, you're just uh, coming up, or we're just coming up to uh, 24 minutes away from 10 o'clock. Uh, lots more to come on the programme. Don't go away. The heart of two counties. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on Casey Law. Now, next to Tullow, from where Helen Whelan, owner of Thrive Cafe, joins me on the line to talk about an exciting new business network being established in Carlow and having its first event on June 25th. Good morning, Helen. How are things in Thrive these days? Great, John. Uh, thank you, firstly, for having me on. Um, yeah. We're thriving away here. Great. Um, I, I first came across your business, I think it was summer of last year, on a rather damp day when we were doing one of our first OBs after uh, after the lockdown. You were doing quite well and you'd got through the first lockdown at that stage. How's the year been since? Well, I think for all of us collectively, it's been a very interesting year. But, um, you know, we really got to take time out 
and see what was working for the business and what wasn't working for the business. And we got to open up a hatch window, which we never have been able to do. We've less seating, but we the balance between takeaway and sit down hopefully now next month will be welcome back. Yeah, and they always say the first uh, two to three years of a new business are very challenging. If I'm not mistaken, your business started in 2018. So you were just getting stuck into kind of like your second year of operation when along comes COVID. That must have been a huge shock. Did you ever really fear for the future of the business? You know, I never really feared at the start because we, we didn't really know. We were more concentrating on COVID. And I suppose with like anybody in business or in your job, you're always, you know, thinking of the future, thinking of what to do next. You want to keep it fresh and innovative for your customers and stuff like that. COVID, yeah, definitely was a very interesting time. You know, we closed, um, obviously, March on St. Patrick's Day and we were very lucky actually we went and did cooking for the front line and stuff like that um, the second lockdown now was actually a little bit more emotional there was definitely a few tears when we had to close on the 28th of December but look we we got through it and we're back out now open since March again this year and we're loving it and you know each stage brings something new and what kind of changes did you bring in as a result of the enforced uh, look at your business and and the changes in the ways people have have gone about shopping eating and uh, dealing with restaurants i think people i think people are more patient and more conscious of shopping local and loving what you know is in their locality because that's all we had for a while but um, we definitely took the opportunity. We opened up a hatch window, which really just changed our business completely. Um, we didn't know what way it would go, but the takeaway service has been fantastic, and we're really thankful for that. It's something that we'll keep uh, going, because therefore we can have the customer inside that they'll be happy and content, and then we can have the person who's just in a rush and wants a quick coffee or one of our enjoyables or something quickly we also do the pre-ordering as well so people can pre-order the food know they're going to have it on time and you know just click and collect it so that has all been really good and another thing that we actually did was we looked at our menu we kind of had a set menu and now we get to change it a lot so we now in our mains our breakfast brunch is the same all the time but our lunch changes weekly which is kind of really good for the customer and for us that we get to cook new and fresh and create and stuff so yeah that's been what we've really been up to the last year yeah now tell us um i mentioned at the start uh, when you came on about the new uh network being established which has its first uh, event on june 25th tell us about that and about your involvement in it well, this is a great incentive and I'm constantly and cannot thank Carlo, Leo enough, like the local enterprise office. If anybody out there is looking for support or just has an idea, the support that is there is fantastic. So they're running this new powerhouse, um, which is Carlo Business Women Network. Um, and it begins online. This one is online. This is the first one, on, as you said, on Friday, June the 25th. And it's um, focusing on stride to harmony between work and life. So we're just kind of mainly concentrating on the work-life balance. Mm, and you're going to talk about that uh, yourself at the first event. But why do you think uh, a network like this for women is so important and, and you're so positive about it? 
I just think, you know, having other women and people to talk about your business to and, you know, you really have to support each other. You, you know, you might think like overall in competition, but actually really we aren't because each of us is so individual and we all have our story to tell. But getting support and hearing like, oh, this worked for me and this didn't work for me. And, you know, you can learn and grow with each other as a community, but also supporting each other on that journey and think we've all come up against different challenges in life like I know I was seven months pregnant when we opened up and my sister with me beside me had a three-month-old baby so we definitely started at a time but we had to support each other and I think women really get that for each other. Wow um, and that brings us on to striking the harmony between work and life mm. what have you learned about that um, opening a business when you're seven months uh, pregnant doesn't exactly um, strike me as harmonious between no. work and life <laughs> I think it's the most craziest time that you can do that but I think you know between that and Covid the challenges have been met you know quite straight on um, Yeah. You know, being a first-time mother, that was my first child, and um, getting that harmony is hard, especially when you're starting off. The biggest thing I had to learn to do was delegate and trust my team, because it was my own business with my sister. Like, you know, you don't you want to hold on to the reins, and you want to make sure that every customer is looked after. But there's also a network of people out there who can also do that and bring different qualities than what I would have and different strengths. So the biggest and first thing I had to learn was to delegate and trust. And uh, I think also there's probably a problem with idealised versions that people think starting a new business just is a bed of roses and it's just going to be everything fantastic. But it is tough graft. Yeah, it is tough graft. It is. And and there's there's no two ways about it. It really is. And the biggest thing is you have to love what you do. And if you don't, then, you know, look at maybe making it lovable again. And, you know, there are going to be times where you're like, oh, my God, this is hard or busy periods happen. But it's always staying connected to what it is you want as yourself and remembering that you also have a life and a family and, you know, different ways of parenting that you want to make sure that your children have. So that has to be at the forefront, that work-life balance and adapting as things happen. Well, Helen, um, as you mentioned, the first uh, event of the of the Carlo Business Women's Network Powerhouse, the Carlo Business Women's Network, is on June 25th, uh, booking through the local enterprise office, I assume. Yeah. Okay, Helen, and uh, are you looking forward to the summer ahead, hopefully yeah. fully reopened? Hopefully the sunshine will keep shining and, you know, we can we have a little bit of outdoor dining and looking forward to sitting people back in and putting food on plate. Um, and also looking really forward to this women network as well you know meeting and hearing everybody's story and if anybody is looking to register online as you said they can do that with the local enterprise.ie or you can call actually 059-91-29783 okay Helen well thank you very much that's Helen Whelan owner of Thrive Cafe in Tullo and Helen hopefully we'll see you over the summer in Tullo Yes, we look forward to it, John. And thank you so much for having me again. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie 
Helen Whelan, owner of Thrive Cafe in Tullow, County Carlow there. And uh, always good to talk to Helen. Now, from uh, cafes and networks, we're going to talk about design and the role of design in our lives. It's something that we often don't realise, but design is all around us from the buttons we press to the clothes we wear to the industrial processes we have. I'm delighted to be joined online by Colin Devey, who's Head of Product Design Innovation at IT Carlow. And Colin... Uh, you're marking 50 years of design education at IT, Carlo. Uh, good morning, John, and thank you for inviting me on the programme. And yeah, absolutely, we're we're delighted actually to be celebrating uh, half a century in, in in developing the design sector in Ireland and producing graduates. Yeah, that'll bring us back to the sorry, that'll bring us back to the early 70s. And um, you know, design in Ireland back in the mid 60s, early 70s wasn't really well renowned. There was a a well known report, the Scandinavian report that that um, came over and said that Irish design was basically dreadful in all aspects and that led to the to the opening of the Kilkenny Design Workshops which was a semi-state body and um, the School of Design in IT Carlow followed soon after. Absolutely. Uh, the origins, as you say, of, of the modern design sector in Ireland go right back to that, that, that seminal report, the Design in Ireland report by this Scandinavian design group. Um, and that was, that was uh, published in 1962 uh, by Cors Tortola. Uh, and, and the objective really was to grow Irish exports abroad. Um, and, of course, Kilkenny Design Workshops came out of that. And to support the uh, graduates and the specialists in, in design, uh, IT Carlo was the very first uh, third-level institution to offer specific tailored graduates, uh, you know, to support the growth of the design sector. Yeah, now, um, people often mistake design. They just kind of think of it like graphic design or fashion design and so on. But everything has an element of design in it, and it doesn't even need to be things. Processes have to be designed as well. Talk to us a bit about the role of design and the scope of design and how design has changed. Yeah. Design, uh, I suppose most people, when they think about design, they're thinking about the, you know, the artifacts, the craft-based design uh, approach. But design has changed uh, quite quite radically, not only in Ireland, but internationally over the decades. Um, and the, more importantly, the, the, this, this pivot within design um, is responding to the FDI, you know, the Foreign Direct Investment, and, and the, the needs of, of companies to, to expand in, into creative and innovative uh, new spaces for products, services, and, and as you say, systems as well. So, so design is, is much more expansive and much more involved and uh, offers huge opportunities for young, young students coming along and thinking about sort of how they can develop a career um, so that they can go into the, like tech and medical devices, finance sector, the, the service sector, manufacturing. There's so many different areas that are now crying out for, you know, that, 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 that creative, innovative type, type of candidate. Yeah, now we'll, after the break, we'll discuss, um, you know, the role of design in business and the potential and the contribution of, of your design school. But just a bit about Design Carlo, uh, the website you've launched, designcarlo.ie. Some really big names in, in the world of design in, involved in that, and people would be known, many people would be known around here. Uh, you mentioned the word legendary is it battered around a lot. Uh, the legendary Michael O'Grady, I knew Michael myself, I knew him as a musician, but also he left a tremendous archive, which has now been uh, immortalised, I suppose, in this new website. 
Absolutely. Michael Michael is, uh, has been kind of a, an esteemed and, and greatly loved colleague uh, of ours in the design school in, in Carlo. Um, uh, and he has been quietly uh, over the years. And of course, he'd be known sort of in the music scene in Kilkenny, but he had been archiving a vast quantity of past work going back many, many decades. Um, and on his passing, we thought that it would be really, really a, a, a very beautiful thing, not only to, uh, uh, to honour the work that, that Michael has done in terms of creating graduates, but also to show the work and the evolution of design in Carlo over the decades. Okay, well, uh, you're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell. I'm talking to Colin Devey, who's the Head of Product Design Innovation at IT Carlo. We're talking about a new website that has been launched commemorating 50 years or half a century of uh, the role of uh, design in Carlo and uh, the role of IT Carlo in growing design. We'll be talking some more to Colin after the break. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice, www.onf.ie. KCLR. Local at heart. Local at heart. Local at heart indeed, and uh, at the heart of life in Carlon Kilkenny is Carlo IT. I'm joined on the line by Colin D. V., who's Head of Product Design Innovation at IT Carlo. We're talking about the last 50 years and the legacy of all the people and all the students who've worked in the design education in Carlo IT, but as well as uh, well-known lecturers and so on, Colin, you're showcasing the work of many students as well, uh, students who've gone on and go on to work in industry and business. Yeah, John. Um, IT Carlo traditionally mounts a graduate design exhibition, uh, and the exhibition is a key process uh, universally ac- across both all the colleges in Ireland, but also internationally, uh, who are involved in design and creative higher education. Um, and it usually displays the outcome of the design process. Uh, but this year's undergraduate design showcase has been uh, moved online, of course, due to COVID. Mm. Um, uh, and we're calling it this year, the theme is uh, 2021, A New Wave. Um, and really, the objective here is to punctuate the four years of learning of, of, of the great students that we've got and, and these, these immen- immensely creative and talented, but also very innovative uh, uh, minds that can provide uh, opportunity for the students, uh, you know, to, to network and engage with potential employers and promote themselves. Yeah, now uh, talk to us a bit about the role of design in business. Uh, you know, I indicated at the start that it's more than just yeah. kind of logos and so on. Um, really at the heart of business. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 a critically important component, and it's it's it's, it's sometimes misunderstood because when people think of design, they often kind of think about maybe just the aesthetic part. But in the modern world, uh, there's a myriad of products and services and offer, and it's becoming very complex and, and complicated for consumers to kind of understand and and and, and have to choose, and, and also a very crowded space and very competitive for for, for the business community themselves. Mm, but so design can be at the heart of the success of a company. Take Apple. Yeah. For for absolutely, example. Yeah. Yeah. absolutely. It's, it's, it's critically important and, and the design really offers that, that kind of edge, the, the competitive advantage in, in cutting through that, that noise uh, with, with kind of much more innovative and human-centered products and services and it makes uh, those products and services easier for, for consumers to understand, to engage with and, and makes them more enjoyable to use and, and to be honest that's just good for business. Yeah, but sometimes I feel that people look on it kind of like they look at marketing sometimes as kind of, oh I can't afford it or I can't afford marketing at the moment because business business is tough, but like design and marketing and all those other good uh, disciplines can drive business as well as just being add-ons. 
I, I think at this stage, John, it's gone way beyond just, you know, uh, a, 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 a cherry picking. Um, if a business does not actually focus in on, on their, their users and their consumers uh, through design and marketing and, and, and gain that competitive edge, number one, get to understand who they're actually targeting their, their, their products and services to, but then, you know, really tailoring uh, and with innovative solutions to to fulfill the, the, the needs of, of, of their consumers, then then they're really going to be at a disadvantage because the other competitive uh, companies and, 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 and uh, the other businesses in, in the market are doing it. So, you know, you, you really need to be kind of focusing on this now. Well, look, uh, product design and innovation at the heart of IT Carloff for over 50 years uh, and we look forward to the future. Colin, thanks for joining us this morning on The Bottom Line. Thank you very much, John. Okay, well, that's Colin Davey, Head of Product Design Innovation at IT Carlo, bringing this week's edition of The Bottom Line to a close. We'll be back next Saturday, just after nine, with more stories for and about business. Remember, if you have any comments or ideas you'd like to get to us, you can email the bottom line at kclaw96fm.com. Thank you for your texts. Unfortunately, we didn't have time to get through any of them this morning, but we will be reading them all. If you'd like to listen back to this show or any episode of The Bottom Line, go to the podcast session section of the Casey Law app or just search for The Bottom Line on Casey Law on the Apple Store, Google Play or Spotify. Thank you to all our guests this morning, Austin Hughes, Eugene Devereaux, Helen Whelan and Colin Devey. Thanks as always to Deirdre Drummy who produces the show and thank you to listening. Edward Hayden is coming up just after the news at 10 and we've got lots more to keep you informed and entertained all over the weekend as well as all across Casey Law's various channels and digital platforms. So until we meet again. Take care, stay safe, stay tuned to KCLR and keep the faith. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants. Our website, ons.ie, shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small.